Praise God. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, let's see. Teachers, there we go. Our first scripture, Jesus, Luke of, uh, last chapter of Luke, it's gospel. How many know Luke also wrote the book of Acts? Those who didn't know, now you know. Luke, quoting Jesus, Jesus said, tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. How many has ever tried to witness to somebody and try and tell them about Jesus? And it's like, there's resistance. There's nothing happens. One day we were out uh, uh, inviting people to church. We were putting flyers on car doors in the parking lot. And, and uh, there's this phone booth there on the building. And there's a guy sitting there. He's asleep. So I go up to him and I say, hey, buddy, you okay? And he falls over. Bonk! Bounce his head on the floor. Oh, my God. So I got the phone and I dialed 911. The fire truck came, the paramedics came, and they said, Oh, it's so and so. I said, You know this guy? Yeah, he's always out here drunk like this. And I thought, Oh, how sad that this guy is enslaved, that he's, he's, this is his life, getting drunk out in public, falling over. We had another guy, he's so drunk, he fell down and urinated all over himself. It's like, Oh, my goodness. People need power to serve God. People that aren't saved need the power of God to draw them to His salvation. The Gospel is good news. Can you say amen? It is good news. I will never forget the first time somebody told me, walking down the street, minding my own business, hey, God loves you. And uh, I was in my early 20s, and, and inside I thought, you don't know anything about me. You don't know all the stuff I've done up to this point in time, and, and God could not possibly love me because the stuff I've done is just, oh, just too bad. God couldn't love me. And it took years, but it sparked something in me because that person had some power in their words. So when you speak the Word of God, we need the power behind the words. And the power is the Holy Spirit. This word endued, according to Vine's uh, expository dictionary of New Testament words, means to be clothed with, like putting on an overcoat or something. In Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, it says it's invested. God has made an investment in us. And so when when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's an investment that has been made. It goes on to say, in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, that it means to be so penetrated and acted upon by conscious. Everybody say conscious. means you're aware of supernatural power and so penetrated by it that it stamps you with divine authority and the whole exercise of apostolic office. The word apostle means one sent forth, according to Vine's Dictionary. So, since Jesus told his disciples, go ye into all the world 
Everyone who responds, everyone who says, here am I, send me, use me wherever you want me to go, God. If it's to my neighbor, if it's to my worker, my co-worker, if it's to the person at the library, the person on the airplane, the bus stop, wherever it is, God is with you. You are sent. Say, I am sent. Therefore, I am an apostle. Therefore, I am an apostle. You are apostles because God said, Go ye, you are sent. So, since you are an apostle, you are stamped when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. People will know there's something different about that person. There's something different about... We're coming back from uh, my meeting uh, with the carpenters and uh, talking to uh, a woman uh, seated next to us on the plane. And uh, I tell her my testimony, how that God saved me. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it was Thanksgiving Day, 1981. 36 years ago, I got saved. I said a simple prayer. I knew I was a sinner. I asked Jesus to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life. And I've never been the same since then. I had some ups and downs, but God is faithful. So I was explaining, you know, how things had happened. And she says, oh, it's kind of like, I see it as a mountain. You know, there's all these different religions trying to get to God at the mount, top of the mountain. And we, we stumble and fall and fall back and go forward. I said, no, actually, it's more like a canyon. And Jesus is the bridge. And there's only one religion that's worthwhile because it's not really religion. It's Jesus as a person. Because all men's religion is man trying to reach God. Jesus is God came down to earth to reach us. Totally different. No rituals. No penance. No crawling on your knees. No whipping yourself on the back. Nothing. Nothing we do except putting our trust in Jesus gets us saved. It's as simple as that. So, next. Is that the right one? Yes, it is. So this is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost simply means the 50 days after the first uh, beginning of the harvest. By the way, Jesus rose from the dead on that first day. And he knew that 50 days later, they'd have the Feast of Pentecost. And that's why we're known as a Pentecostal church, because we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost in this church. And so 50 days later, Jesus told them, you guys wait. He didn't know it was going to take place on the 50th day. They just waited. But it says they were assembled. How many know how many people was there? 120. So the church was a little bit bigger than this. One commentator said that they were not in the upper room. Some commentators say they were in the upper room. But the one commentator that I, I think they got it right, they were meeting for prayer. They were in one of the uh, uh, plazas at the temple. That's why there were so many people there that came running to see what's going on. So they were there. Jesus commanded them not to go, but to wait. Because he told them, you heard it from me. And then he says something interesting. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, you will receive power. I don't know about you, 
But I need power from God. I need God's power working in me and through me. And the Holy Spirit, power is going to come upon you, he said, for the purpose of being witnesses, to be able to tell other people about Jesus and make a difference so that your words will have impact on their life. And something will be sparked in them. Yes, I want to know this Jesus you're talking about. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So let's look and see just for a minute about what John said concerning Jesus. Notice it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And on that day, it says that they heard them speaking in their languages. A multitude came together. They were there because of the feast. They were devout Jews. And they came together from all over the world. Just like what's happening in Europe right now. The refugees are going up there because we can't go into their countries. God's bringing them out. But people from all over the world, notice it says that they heard them speaking in their own languages, but it doesn't say that they were speaking in their own languages. Uh, quite a, uh, an interesting point there. So what did John say? These are the people. Uh, John's preaching to them. They say they were in expectation. How many come to church with an expectation? I want to hear from God today. I want, I want to hear something that will touch my life and make a difference and strengthen me and give me some information, some ammo, so to speak. The Word of God is like a sword. It's our only offensive weapon besides prayer. And you use the Word of God in prayer. And so John tells them, they're wondering, is this the Messiah? And John says, nope, not me. Jesus answered in verse 16, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one, notice it's a capital O. This is not, oh, I'm using the New King James Version. This is the ESV. Sorry, Pastor Wayne, I probably should have told you to use the New King James. In the New King James, it says, John says, but one, mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This one is God. So this piqued my curiosity, so to speak, and I, I thought, hmm, I'm going to look up some scriptures that say, but God. So I did. Romans chapter 6, verse 17, it says, but God, be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were entrusted. How many know that the gospel has been entrusted to every believer? God trusts you. Not awesome? Say it. God trusts me. God trusts me. Praise God. Even though God knows everything about me, God trusts me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, uh, quoting Isaiah chapter 64, that I seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But in verse 10 it says, But God has revealed them to us. Through His Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, talking about one waters, one plants, one sows, but 
God gives the increase. Praise God. And I think I put Galatians chapter 6. And in the King James it says, But God forbid that I should boast. So this word boast, according to Vine's dictionary, means rejoice. Not just say, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm the cat's meow. I'm the top dog. It's not that kind of boasting. It's rejoicing in the cross of Jesus because we could never, ever pay the price. Ever. We used to sing this old chorus, He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Ever, ever, ever. If you have a mortgage, it takes a long time to pay that off if you make just the minimum payments. Same with the credit cards. But with the debt of sin, none of us could ever pay it off. Ever, ever, ever. But He paid. So rejoice in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. Because in verse 15, it says that neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but the most important thing is a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, all old things have passed away. All things have become new. So when a person tells you, yeah, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, do they have a new life? Has there been some change in their life? Can they look back like me and say, yes, Thanksgiving Day, 1981, I bowed my knee, I said a prayer, and I have not been the same since. God has changed me, and God is continuing to change me. That's the evidence, the proof of salvation. Has your life been changed? Praise God. And then Ephesians chapter 2, Verses 4 through 10. I'll just read uh, verse 4. But God, who is rich, say it with me God is rich. God is rich. Praise God. You have a rich father. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. And verse 6, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in or with Christ Jesus. What are the heavenly places? Wherever you are, the kingdom of heaven is there. So wherever you are, that's the heavenly places because Jesus paid the price to redeem the whole world. So, guess who's the trespasser? Guess who's behind enemy lines? Not us. We're not behind enemy lines. Jesus paid the price. Jesus redeemed it. Redeemed us. Our enemy of our souls is behind enemy lines. He's the infiltrator. Not us. So, God wants us to continue to spread His kingdom. Where were we? Far be it from me to boast. Now, let's continue. Acts. My notes together here. Sorry. I don't have one of those newfangled things that 
of books. <laughs> Praise God. So, Acts. They went everywhere. Paul, or the apostle, known as Saul of Tarsus at the time, began a persecution because the church, or the believers, were still in Jerusalem. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem, begin at Jerusalem, go to Judea, all of Judea, and Samaria, even though you don't like the Samaritans, go there and tell them the good news, and then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But they were still there in Jerusalem. So God had to do something to get them, guys, get with the program, and persecution, murder, and persecution like is happening in some parts of the world for Christians is it took place and it caused them to flee and to actually, they went out and they preached the word and they talked to other people and said, why did you guys leave your home camp? Because they were going to kill us. Like Pastor Lath over there in uh, Kurdistan of Iraq, him and uh, five other pastors were in Baghdad, Iraq, and they were told, leave or die. We're going to kill you if you stay here. So they went up to Kurdistan of Iraq, found Pastor Jack Harris. The governor had given him favor. God had given him favor. They have now uh, been donated a, a piece of land. They have a building, and, and God is going to do greater things up there. So they went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip had gone to Samaria and he preached and there were signs and wonders and miracles. And the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, these people that the Jewish people didn't like, they heard the Samaritans, well, God saved some of them. It's like, like you go downtown and you see these people living on the street. Some of them can get saved. And some of them stay saved living on the streets, but others get saved and they begin to live for God. So these were the outcasts of society at that time and they heard that they received the gospel and so they sent Peter and John. When they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is how the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, at the end of the service, uh, later today, uh, when we're done, uh, if you would like to receive, if you've never had been prayed for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost for anyone who wishes to receive it. The icing on the cake. So Paul, known as Saul of Tarsus at the time, he's on his way to Damascus. He's going to go murder some more Christians. And God appears to him. Jesus appears to him. He gets blinded by the light. And uh, God speaks to a, a guy up there in the city. It's Ananias. Go and pray for Saul. In fact, he's seen a vision of you coming in and pray for him. And of course, Ananias, being a good uh, disciple of Jesus, argues with God. I don't know. 
He said, no, 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 God, you, you made a mistake. <laughs> no, 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 no. But God tells him, no, no, I'm telling you the truth. So God has a conversation with Ananias like he's his best friend. Hey, bud, how many would love to have conversations with God? Sometimes you have to just be quiet and have a conversation with God. I was reading a book about prayer, and uh, something caught my eye. Why pray? Why does God knows everything? God's got everything under control. Things are going. Why do we pray? And this, what they, the guy wrote was so. It just amazed me. He said, "God is looking for people to have the same care and concern that He has." And he's looking for people to agree with him about what he wants to do on the earth. So Ananias believes the words and he goes and he prays and he calls Saul of Tarsus. He says, Brother Saul, not enemy of the people of God, not murderer. He calls him brother. And he says, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God, I believe, for every disciple, every believer, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And immediately, immediately, Praise from lays hands on him and immediately, not days later, but immediately, not years later, something like scales fell from his eyes, he regained his sight, he rose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened, and for some days he was with the disciples in Damascus, the city's still there, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God, uh, Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God, and it goes on to say that in verse 30, 22, Proving that Jesus is the Messiah to the Jewish people. So what happens? They try to kill him. Well, this guy, he's causing too much trouble. We're going to kill him. So they laid wait for him, and the Bible says that they, lay, they let him out a window in a basket. And I saw a photograph one time. It said, this is the wall in Damascus, still there. Here's the window that Paul was let out. So. Paul escapes from Damascus. He goes to Jerusalem. Shows up there. Hey guys, guess what? I got saved. And they say, oh yeah, right. It's later. But Barnabas brings him to the, the, uh, the apostles and said, he really did get saved. So, okay, well. Let's, uh, and, and, and next thing you know, they rise up. The enemies of God, they plot to murder Paul in Jerusalem. So, oh my gosh, this is Great, live for God and people want to kill you. Tell them about Jesus and people want to kill you. I had a guy pull a knife on me one time. Good thing he was drunk. <laughs> so he escapes to Caesarea. Guess what happens there? They plot to kill him there. Oh, great. This is wonderful living for God. So he goes to Back home to the city of Tarsus. Excuse me, this thing is modern technology. Goes back to Tarsus. How many, no, how many years Paul lived in Tarsus before Barnabas went and got him and brought him 
and he began his missionary journeys. Ten years he was in Tarsus, living for God, and no one tried to kill him. Thank God. <laughs> Praise God. So, in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, goes to the Gentile. This is called the Pentecost of the Gentiles. Goes to Cornelius the uh, centurion's house. And uh, why didn't Paul go? I mean, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Anybody wonder, how come Paul didn't you know, start out going to the Gentiles? Because everywhere Paul went, they tried to kill him. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked until it was God's timing. Peter goes and he preaches and it says while Peter was still speaking, saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And I can just picture in my mind people listening to Paul to Peter preach and saying, getting excited. Like they, were, they were having a Pentecostal church meeting before the Holy Spirit even fell on them. They're saying, hey, think of that. Forgiveness of sins. Debt's forgiven. We, we can approach God directly. Adopted by God Himself. Resurrection from the dead. Miracles of healing. Man, this is great stuff. So they're getting excited. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And it says, The believers from among the circumcised, the Jewish people who had come with Peter, were amazed. How many have ever been amazed by God? I've been amazed by God. One time I had the privilege of preaching in a, a pioneer church that we sent a young couple out. And uh, the pastor got sick with bone cancer and they asked me to come and fill in uh, one night. And, uh, and so I, I did the whole service, the worship service and everything. And the end of the service, I asked anybody wanted prayer. Uh, or no, the beginning of the service, anybody wanted prayer. And this one lady in the front row, she said, that she said she wanted to pray for her neighbor. But what I heard is, my sinuses are bothering me. So at the end of the service, <laughs> I looked at her and I said, did you say your sinuses were bothering you? And she got such a surprised look on her face. And she says, no, but they are. I said, oh, okay, well, come on up. Can we pray for you? Is that your husband? Come on up here. Why don't you pray and uh, help us pray? Lay hands on your wife. She said, as soon as we touched her, she felt her sinuses. <laughs> instantly clear up. Praise God. I heard from God. It was exciting. So Peter, they, they, and then they say, how do they know that they had the gift of the Holy Spirit? They were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling or praising God. The evidence, the initial evidence of the initial baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. I don't understand what I'm saying when I'm speaking in tongues, but I believe and I know that the Word of God says that God knows what we're saying. And I believe the enemy doesn't know what you're saying. Because as I've said before, when you're praying, you run out of words, but in your spirit you feel, I have to pray more. God, help me pray. Pray in tongues. I pray in tongues most of the time when I'm driving in my vehicle by myself. I'm just me and God. I don't care if anybody else sees me driving and speaking in tongues. They don't know what I'm saying. But I'm exercising my faith. I'm saying, God, I need to touch you. God, I need to pray. Praying, God, I'm praying. 
have no more words in my understanding, God. So here goes. I have to trust that you know what I'm saying. In Acts chapter 19, Paul laid hands on some Ephesians believers. Does anybody know where Ephesus is? It's in modern-day Turkey on the western coast. There's an amphitheater there where Paul preached. It's still there. I hope there's still believers there. So Paul tells these guys, you know, you guys need the Holy Spirit. And he prays for them. He laid hands on them. That's the method. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. And that's the result. They begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. Praise God. Ooh, it's quiet in this church. Hallelujah. We hear them speaking. Let's back up just for a minute to John's uh, uh, sermon. He says that Jesus, the one mightier than John, will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Why fire? I found this very interesting comment in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary. The nature of the Spirit's operation upon the soul. The fire of God. It searches. How many know if you have a fire, like, I don't know if you've seen photos of or videos of the big forest fires. The fire just doesn't stay somewhere. It seeks the fuel. It goes wherever it wants, wherever it can. So the Holy Spirit searches and seeks. Not only that, when the fire gets there, it begins to consume. Fire can also refine things. But it has another quality called sublimating, which is a big word that I had to look up in the dictionaries. Sublimating. It's a chemical process that causes a solid, such as a hard heart, to convert to a gas state. How many know what happens to molecules when they're heated up? Expand. And they open up. So, when it's a gas state and the Holy Spirit fire causes that hard heart to open up, it can be, and the way it opens up is by heat or pressure. How many have ever felt pressure from God. That's God. God sometimes puts the pressure on us. And what it does is it opens up our hearts and then causes it, this sublimating process, to solidify. When your heart re-solidifies, guess what you have? You have purpose. God has saved each and every one of us for a purpose to give glory to His name. And it never, ever becomes a liquid when it goes through this process. Because guess what happens to liquids? Liquids kind of ooze out. We, we need not to be oozing out anywhere. We need to be solid. Can you say amen? <laughs> Praise God. So where are we? Luke chapter 11. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has given us 
a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I don't know about you, but I need love and power and self-control. Therefore, I need the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. I like that. Fruit. Kind of just, it's supposed to grow naturally. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We cannot manufacture the love that Jesus has for other people on our own. We do not have it in us. We have to get it from the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't have joy all the time. A lot of times I'm freaked out and I don't have peace all the time. Therefore, I need the Holy Spirit. I definitely don't have patience all the time. I need the Holy Spirit. I'm not always kind. I need the Holy Spirit. I'm not always good. I need the Holy Spirit. I'm not always faithful. I need the Holy Spirit. I don't always exercise gentleness or self-control. I need the Holy Spirit. And so do you. Praise God. Here's another interesting one. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Just so you know, that's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Notice the capital S. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, if God commands us to do something, He also gives us the power to do it or the ability. Praise God. So, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you need to get filled with the Spirit. Let's see, where are we at now? And when they had prayed, Acts chapter 4, verse 31, they'd been threatened. This is after the day of Pentecost. Uh, Peter and John had gone to the temple and they, they prayed for a guy who had been lame, his feet, and, and the guy makes a ruckus. He couldn't walk. And he gets healed. And he goes jumping and dancing through the temple. Man, I can walk. I can run. I've been healed. And the Bible says a bunch of people come. And guess what happens to Peter and John and the guy that got healed? They get arrested. It's against the law to get healed. <laughs> the insanity of our enemy. You guys are under arrest for healing that guy. And <laughs> it's like, what? This is the insanity of the same mindset that, oh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Everyone's going after Jesus. We better kill Lazarus. Well, God raised him from the dead. What, guess what's going to happen if you kill him? God's going to raise him again from the dead. You guys nuts? Praise God. But it's, so they get threatened. Don't you ever tell anybody about Jesus again. And when, and they go back to where they're all gathered and everyone prays, and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled. I like to say they were all refilled because they were filled the first day of Pentecost. They got refilled with the Holy Ghost, and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness, confidence, not rudeness. They did not go out and try and offend as many people as they could, they went out to try and win people to Jesus. Praise God. 
now. What am I to do in the King James? It says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. How many have ever sung in tongues? I like to sing in tongues because you can do whatever you want. However the Spirit leads you, sing. It sounds like opera. It sounds like rap. It, I, whatever. Praise God. And I will also sing with the understanding. That's why we sing songs to worship God. Because God inhabits the praises of His people. And that's the conclusion. Speak in tongues. Pray in tongues. Sing in tongues. Pray with your understanding. Sing with your understanding. How many have ever heard of, uh, what was her name? Fanny Crosby. She composed, I believe, over a thousand songs. And she was blind. Many ever heard of that song? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Isaac Watts wrote that. He was short. He was ugly. But he wrote over 600 songs. And he said that song was not written for Christmas. That song was written to worship God. Praise God. So, God, here's a good memory verse. 2 Timothy verse 1-7. through God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. And I'll end with this. God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba. If you don't know what to say when you're praying in tongues or you're starting out, just say, Abba, 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 Abba. Not the music group from Sweden. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. We had a refugee family from Somalia renting our house. They had 10 kids. And I'll never forget them calling out to their dad, Abu, Abu. That was their word for father. Abu! And dad answered them. So when we cry out to Abba, Father, he will answer. Praise God. So, what is the conclusion? When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues, pray in your understanding, sing in tongues, sing in your understanding, sing in the shower. No one's around. Praise God. God is good. He will not give you... Uh, a, uh, in fact, that was one of the scriptures I forgot to put up. Luke eleven eleven. <clears throat> God will not give you something evil. If your son asks you for a, a, a fish, you're not going to give him an eel or a snake. How many have ever seen eels? They're ugly. They're slimy. People eat them. But they're not fish. They don't, they, they're different. Or if your son asks you for a loaf of bread, you say, oh, here, son. <clears throat> this rock looks like a loaf of bread. You hungry? <clears throat> ah, God's not going to do that. God, you want, like I said, after, <laughs> after uh, this morning, uh, if you would like to pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we will pray for you. In the meantime, let's bow our heads and close our eyes out of reverence to God.